Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, and we're here with another episode in Back to the Past podcast. We are here to talk about what if 9-11 never happened. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We are deep diving into modern history, like very modern history, boys and girls. Yeah, 9-11s are really like uh, very recent. It's like 20 years ago, right? Yeah, about this year, yeah. 20 years. Wow. It's crazy. 20, this September, for nine, uh, September 11th, yeah. yeah. It's very influential in terms of how modern American policy is in terms of, yeah, like we could be able to be debating that more so today. But I really, mean, let's just go yeah. into a little bit of background. So in order to understand why 9-11 happened, we must look back all the way to the 80s. You're like, really? Why the 1980s? So in around the 1980s, we had a group called the Mujahideen. And the Mujahideen were the other... F- uh, faction in the Afghani civil war, which is the reason why the Soviets actually intervened, which is why we had the Soviet-Afghani war, which is an entirely different subject. But let's get back to it. The United States government actually sold weapons to the Mujahideen, who had several members, several important members of al-Qaeda. This would include Osama bin Laden, the perpetrator of the 9-11 attacks. After the Mujahideen won the civil war and the Soviets left Afghanistan, there was a splitting between them. One of them eventually became the ruling party of Afghanistan, which was the Mujahideen, like stated before. However, there was another more radical form, which was became Al-Qaeda, which also was represented by Osama bin Laden. And fast forward to 2001, we have 9-11. And this would actually impact modern American society in so many different ways. For example, every single year on 9-11, in American schools, at least. I know it's not like that for the rest of the world, but in American schools, we uh, remember the fallen. And it's, it was, it's really always a, a somber moment, especially for the ones who survived it. And you could talk to many people who've had family members or health, even themselves survive it. And it really is still a very impactful moment in modern culture. It's almost like if Pearl Harbor happened right in 2001. What would you guys say about that assessment? I mean, yeah, it's an attack on American soil, the first since Pearl Harbor, first major one, I guess, because yeah. there's obviously terrorist attacks here and there. But yeah, the first major one, the first one that changed American foreign policy, that got the attention of the Senate, the government, and they actually did something big yeah. about it. I was going to say, that was, good, that was a good explanation about that, because I was about to say, I would say the first major terrorist attack, disregarding what you said about the foreign policy, I would have said would have been the Oklahoma City bottom bombings, but the difference was is that it was more of a domestic terror attack rather than a foreign yeah. terror attack. That's a big thing right there, domestic versus... It's versus foreign, exactly. You're correct about mm-hmm. that assessment. So we, were, so we were discussing this beforehand, and we came to the conclusion that there's definitely multiple different ways we could take this for sure and affect domestic policy and also affect the foreign policy. So what do you guys want to go on first, domestic or foreign policy? I think foreign policy is more interesting. Yeah, the foreign policy definitely is going to change America. 100%. So let's start, let's start now. Um, so obviously in our timeline, with 9-11 terrorist attacks, America declared war in Af- invaded Afghanistan because the Taliban were hiding Osama bin Laden, the perpetrator of the attacks. So in our timeline, that's what starts the American invasion of Afghanistan. So 9-11 has affected foreign policy for a good 20 years now. As Nick was saying earlier, it's almost a 20th anniversary. 
And one of the ways it started was obviously the invasion of Afghanistan and you further U.S. involvement in the Middle East. So why was Afghanistan invaded for context? Well, the Taliban, which occupied Afghanistan at the time, decided to hide Osama bin Laden. And Osama bin Laden was the perpetrator of 9-11. So now imagine this. Imagine that the United States and its population were not horrified and scared by these attacks. Because rather, these attacks didn't happen. The CIA, for example, decided to share their information that they had picked up chatter and there was increasing suspicion of a potential terrorist attack somewhere in the United States, somewhere on the East Coast, I believe they had. I think they actually narrowed it down pretty well. I might be uh, wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure they had a good idea where it was going to be and stuff, but they just never told anyone. See, the thing is, as much as we want to learn from preventing attacks, mistakes, I feel like if we learn less, less changed from preventing rather than it happening. Because think about this. What is more impactful? A bomb almost going off or a bomb going off? Obviously, it would be the bomb going off because you had the loss of life, you had the casualties, you had the destruction. That sticks in the mind more than prevention. Well, yeah, you're not wrong about that. <laughs> you're not that wrong about that. It's true. Like, for example, we talk about uh, appeasement. We could even take that to a, like another foreign policy. Appeasement, for example. Just preventing that doesn't mean we learned from the lessons of the First World War. It took the second one to learn about the fir- to learn from the first one. It's the reason why we're how we are today in terms of we'd like to be more peaceful. Peacement is another way to is another scenario that's a little similar in terms of like how you you need to have the mistake happen in order for you to learn from it rather than the mistake being prevented. Yeah, we see this actually today in in uh, American airports, but we can get to that during domestic foreign domestic policy. But I think it's more important to talk about talk about Afghanistan. So Afghanistan has been a pretty controversial war for at least the past ten years or so. But enough about controversy. But in this scenario, we can confirm for sure that it wouldn't happen, or at least it wouldn't happen for longer. Because while nine eleven might have not happened, I assume they would have they would have eventually gotten us. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I was going to say. I was going to no. say. Because 9-11 was not going to happen, right? Obviously, yeah. we're going to secure about our planes, our airport security. Because think about this. Like, when you go to a museum, like, in D.C., obviously before COVID, but like, if you go to D.C. and you go into, like, the muse- one of the Smithsonian museums, they have metal detectors. Those would have never been there before 9-11. Never. Yeah, because they're scared that the, muse- that the, the statues from the night in the museum is going to rise up. <laughs> in general, though, but it's just showing that it's a... It's just a paranoia, right, or whatnot. That, I think, has helped us stay safe. So, obviously, if 9-11 didn't happen, another attack would have happened. Would it have been bigger or smaller? I obviously can't predict that. Yeah, it's But it would have been impactful, similar. I agree with you, Rohan. And, like, people who uh, lived before 9-11, and, like, let's just say, like, people who traveled a lot knew, like, the days where, like, in the airport, you can go to a plane, like, and like in 10 minutes, so there's like not a lot of much security. No one checked your bags. No one like really cared what you did in the airport. After 9-11, they changed the whole structure. And that's what Rohan was talking about. One thing that Rohan mentioned before is that there would be no Afghani war. I 100% believe in this until, of course, there's another terrorist attack that would happen. As, as I said... I, I do think that a terrorist attack would eventually happen on American soil. The question is how impactful? I don't know. 
we could actually be effect we should act we could actually be seeing the effects of note 911 in our modern day society in terms of just how how much security in the airport is or how much time it takes to get through an airport but besides that we have to also look at Iraq. I do think Iraq still happens this scenario since it wasn't really related towards 9-11. It's really related towards uh, weapon WMDs located in Iraq, which, well, uh, that's up to your interpretation, however you want to believe it. What about you guys? What do you think? So, yeah, I 100% uh, on with you on that point. I still think Iraq, uh, Iraq invasion will 100% happen. And remember... Iraq invasion isn't like a declared war from Congress. It was an invasion from the president that he wanted. And that president was obviously Bush. I want to say it was something the president only wanted. It was really a popular opinion in American uh, uh, democracy at the time. Oh. It was a popular opinion amongst the American people at the time. Because I'm pretty sure that if you find out, oh yeah, Iraq is hiding weapons of mass destruction. I'm pretty sure a lot of people are like, oh, a, a nation that we, we invaded once who might want to get back at us would like to, uh, you know, fire at, fire at us. So I think we should go to war. And in fact, there's been multiple senators that were pushing for it for at least around a decade at that point. So it wasn't like a, ever since the first Iraq war ended, there's been multiple senators that did push for it. So I don't think it was only just uh, more in terms of like, a, oh, the Americans wanted it. I think it was more in terms of the, the Congress wanted it as well. No, I, I don't disagree with you on that point. I still like, even if there's no 9-11, there's, not gonna, there's nothing that's going to be changed on like weapons that are going to be hiding in Iraq from the dictator. That's no, it was, just, it was just made up. That's the thing. Yeah, I still think like those events are still going to happen, even if 9-11 never happened. That's why no, I know still- exactly. That's why we said Iraq's going to still be invaded. Yeah, and that's what exactly what my point is. I was just wanted to explain it further of like why the American people supported this and why George uh, W. Bush. Yeah, no, I just wanted to give a little bit more context in terms of like it wasn't just the president that said, oh, I'm going to invade Iraq because I have the power to and I want to. Yeah, totally. So, Rohan, what's your stance on foreign policy? So, one thing to say before I talk about my stance so Saddam Hussein actually did keep up somewhat of an illusion of WMDs to make Iraq seem strong in the face of Iran. When, so that's what the FBI actually found out when they interrogated him after, obviously, he was captured. And now moving on to my point, I am not as confident on the war as you guys are. Because obviously, one of the advantages of invading Afghanistan is that you have troops nearby Iraq. You have troops with war experience in the desert. Because obviously the troops from Gulf Storm, that was like, what, 20 years before-ish? That's the 90s, so not 20 that was years, but 10 20 years. years. Yeah, I was going to say it was 1991. Years, it was under George H.W. Bush. Point is, those troops are veterans now. They're, they're not the actual foot soldiers. Well, meanwhile, you have troops in Afghanistan that have the experience in fighting the, sol- the desert. So I think in this alternate timeline where 9-11 didn't happen, I think George Bush would be less hesitant in a full-scale invasion of Iraq, I think America is destined to get more involved in the Middle East anyway, and 9-11 just accelerated that. But I don't think in, it'll be a full-scale invasion in 2003 or anywhere near that time for some time. No, I mean, I hope it won't because it really, if we're talking about that, that really changes the Middle East, as a matter of fact, because 
Iraq, the fall of Iraq directly leads to, or indirectly leads to the fall, the rise of ISIS. And I think that's pretty important in terms of how ISIS really did take over during the mid 2010s. Because I, I remember when you guys, I, remember, I assume you guys know what was going around in the news coverage when ISIS was a big thing, like when it yeah. controlled, it's controlled like a lot of land. I know that for sure. It controlled a lot of Iraq and Syria, and it only was escalated by uh, Syria as well, being in a civil war. Now, uh, I know this might be a little, this is very recent actually, in 2011. So, what do you guys think about the Arab Spring? What do you think is going to happen because of the result of that? Do you think it's still going to be the same, or do you think it's going to be impacted by Iraq? Do you think Iraq would experience the Arabs, the Arab Spring, because you know it was a dictator? For example, like Colonel Gaddafi overthrown, Assad dictator. Civil War. Saddam Hussein? Civil War? Overthrown? What do you think? Yeah, okay. So when Iraq was not, and if Iraq was not invaded, I think a big thing about revolutions and in general human, human, how do I say this? Human thoughts, human emotions, human revolution, freedom, momentum. Human psychology. Psychology, yeah. Momentum. If... There's a freedom, there's revolutions going against these oppressive dictators going around Iraq. It's only a matter of time before Iraqis themselves start revolting. So practically see... a snowball effect. That's what you're trying to get at. Yes, yeah, snowball effect. Or if you exactly. want to go in terms of uh, American foreign policy in the 50s, the domino effect. Yeah, that exactly. That's exactly what I mean. Because, like, imagine this. You're an Iraqi citizen. You're living under a dictatorship, and you see that across the border, you're seeing fellow people like yourselves. They're not exactly, they're not Iraqis, obviously, but like, let's say they're from Syria, for example. They're rising up against their dictator. They're trying to get their freedom. So you're going to see that, and you're going to think, gee, I think I, me and my fellow citizens can do that too and rise against our dictator. I think snowball would happen in the Middle East. As for successful, I'm not sure. Because without obviously the invasion of Iraq, Iraq would not be weak. Well, yeah, like I, like I said before, uh, I, I do think that if the Arab Spring were to succeed, in Iraq at least, I don't know what would happen with it. Because, for example, we'd have to look at Egypt, for example. There was a whole big Arab Spring back then. So if we look at several, uh, if we look at the trend of the Arab Spring, for example, we could see that the only, the, re, the leaders that tended to fall were ones that were around for at least 20 or so years. So, for example, we, I can name the four leaders that were involved. First off, Zain al-Abidin ben Ali. He was president of Tunisia, actually, from 1987 till 2011. Like I mentioned before, Colonel Gadda Gaddafi was actually in charge from 1969 to 2011. So almost how long? That would have been like, what, 40 years almost? Right, Muhammad Hosni El Said Mubarak was also an Egyptian political leader who was also in charge from 1981 to 2011, and Ali Abdullah Saleh was a, the Yemen the first the first president of Yemen from May 22nd 1990 to 25th of February 2012. So you know what that has in common with Saddam Hussein in that case, the fact that they've been in power for a long time. Saddam Hussein was in power since what 1979. That's longer than basically any single one of them. So if he was still alive in 2011, I would say the how the trend goes, I think that they would get overthrown. For example, like Syria, they went into a civil war. Assad only Assad actually I think came into power around what like early 2000s. I'm not sure exactly myself, but it wasn't as long as say 
Gaddafi or Hussein, if you get what I mean. Just a trend in terms of who fell during the Arab Spring and who didn't. I would say that they, most likely Iraq would go as well. Yeah, I mean, that's I definitely agree. Iraq would, I think, fall or have a massive civil war. I think that's all we can talk about for foreign policy. I think at the end of the day, the biggest thing is obviously another terrorist attack is going to happen, and that's going to cause the same 9-11 type paranoia, but it's not going to happen on after September 9th, or September 11th, I'm sorry, September 11th, 2001. It's going to happen sometime later, so there's going to be some space in between where that paranoia is still not there per se. But I think... Another big thing that 9-11 affected was domestic. So one of the biggest things we said earlier, I think we discussed airport security and security like the Smithsonian, for example. Yeah, we were like this specifically. I don't mean to like uh, break in, but specifically one big thing that was uh, made from 9-11 was actually the foundation of the TSA or the Transportation Security Agency. Am I right about that? Right? TSA stands for Transportation Security Administration. Yeah, exactly. And also with airports and every every person who's from america knows that nowadays you have to be at an airport extra early because you need to check your bag you need to check a lot of things and you know a lot of that is really because of 9-11 and while i do think it would happen if another terrorist attack were to happen and if they used airplanes for example i don't at the same time i think overall i think america has more civil freedoms in terms of just going to the airport and in general as well. But we'll get to that a little bit later. One thing I wanted to mention, um, you said America only, but 9-11, that, it scared everyone, not only Americans. Yeah, because that's true. That, it also European happens nation, in the biggest country in the world, nation, yeah. Every, basically, now every nation in the world has airport security, cockpits are locked. Obviously, if you go to a private jet or some of those small jets, they can't lock the cockpit but if you go on a commercial jet airliner and almost any airport in the world you have to go through security and the cockpits are locked two of the biggest changes so like you said you made a very good point there that if it could happen to the best the biggest country in the world or at this time you could say the most influential country in the world it could happen anywhere and so it really did show how how easy it was to attack a nation not through conventional warfare, but through unconventional warfare, like striking planes into buildings. And personally, while I don't like the taking away of freedoms, I do think it's a good change because it also kept us safer. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't terrible. It's, it's only an inconvenience of having to go early, getting scanned, making sure you're real, your identities, whatnot. Yeah, but my, that's what my logic is with that. It's just, it makes you feel, while it might not make you feel as quote-unquote free, it makes you feel a whole lot safer. I'm, I, I'm, I'm more safer going. I'm more happy to know that I'm going on an airplane, knowing that most likely that there's going to be no guns on the airplane, no knives on the airplane, and that no one can really present a threat to my life on that airplane, really, except of course if the pilot were to faint. Yeah, it's a thin balance. But we now that we discussed a brief background on domestic issues during our t- actual timeline in 9/11. Let's discuss what if 9-11 didn't happen. And it's, yeah, as Nick said, between that time between 9-11 and our timeline, so it didn't happen in, the fa- in this alternate timeline, and whatever terrorist attack that happens as it, that to replace 9-11 per se sometime later. Personally, I think the biggest thing I mentioned is no Patriot Act. 
by far. I think that's yeah. number one. Number one for sure. No, uh, yeah, no surveillance. Well, not a lot of surveillance on American citizens. Uh, the Patriot Act was like kind of like the foundations of like what I'll say is like, every, uh, do you guys know Snowden? Uh, his yeah, NSA. Edward 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 Snowden. Edward yeah. Snowden. That was the that was the guy who uh, did stuff with Obama. Not did stuff, but leaked that the NSA was illegal. I think it was illegally spying on American citizens. Yeah, like they were spying on. I, and it was illegally or was just they were just spying. I don't remember. I think it was like legally and illegally uh, spying on American citizens, and they had like network. Yeah. Basically, exactly. in short story, they had like a Google for American citizens, just to like have a basic summary for uh, like what kind of network they had, and like those that like foundations, like the exposure from Edward Snowden that like uh controversy and all came from the foundations of patriot act where the whole reason their surveillance on american citizens was because of the 9-11 attack and yeah patriot act is definitely my number one biggest uh uh changes and what i mean changes is that the chances is not gonna happen because patriot act was kind of like to me it was like a reaction to 9-11 and that's how i view as a patriot act well yeah it definitely was a reaction to 9-11 and before uh i continue before uh we go on some more of what what happened i also like to mention in terms of uh something obama did relating to the patriot act in fact he stopped he prevented the patriot act from infringing on some american civil liberties through the usa freedom act on june 2nd 2015 that he signed into law so i think it's just important to mention yeah, so one thing Ted said that actually captivated me was he said that the NSA was operating a search engine on U.S. citizens. And I'm pretty sure they made some parts of that accessible to law enforcement. So now think of your daily, you know, detective law enforcement. They get a name for a potential drug laundering or whatnot. They could do a quick search about who this person is. And, like, I think that in our timeline allows them get valuable information on that person because now instead of having to manually find all that stuff it's already there compiled into one database for them to access use and use to stop this drug narcotic smuggling for existence so without the patriot act uh, sorry without the patriot act i feel like it would be actually a lot more drag on law enforcement not only for terrorism charges but you know your basic everyday charges yeah, but the real debate about that – I don't mean to be into so much of a political debate, but the real debate about it is in terms of does it does that justify infringing on civil liberties is the real thing. Because yeah, the real thing is depending on the 10th tenth, the tenth Amendment of the United States Constitution, specifically that – it's basically in terms of implied freedoms. So you would, imp, you would think that the, the right to privacy would be an implied freedom under the 10th the Amendment, am I right? Or that's what a lot of people would consider it as. Yeah, many. I mean, at the many. end of the day, it is a thin balance. You, it's so hard to get the right compromise between privacy versus security and safety. Yeah, that's the problem. Because it's really just – in terms of society, it's really just between freedom or it's, – it's really between freedom or security, as I found I've, – I've seen it to be. For, well, for example, if you want to look at a totalitarian state like Nazi Germany – they were not really big fans of 
guns, for example, if we look at America, for example, which would be mostly free, uh, you see a lot of there's a lot of stereotypes about us Americans being, you know, a lot of gun wielding a lot of guns and stuff like that. And that really does is a kind of an example, but I'm not going to talk about guns too much. I'm not going to start an entire debate, but I'm just want to mention that according to that, not in terms of right or left, but just pure facts. At the end of the day, what's more important to you? Freedom versus security. No matter how tiny... The difference between every single person. It's still a difference, and that difference matters. You can't... It's just impossible to make everyone's needs, everyone's thin line between what they want between freedom and security, make everyone, you know, get it like that, like with their choice. But that's all we have the time to talk for today. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Leave any comments, suggestions, likes, feedback at Back to the Past P1. Or you can send a voice message on Anchor if you want to do that. That's fine, too. Um, I believe I turned on an Anchor setting that automatically adds description of how to do voice. Any last comments, Nick or, Nick or Tej? No. Nah. Overall, I think it's a very interesting. It was very interesting to talk about a modern history subject. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for watching this episode, and I hope you have a wonderful day.